Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. A greater work. Jesus made this incredible statement. And I've wondered often just the depth of what that phrase means. In John, the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, which he always did. And whenever you talk to Jesus and he talks back, especially through his scripture, he's telling you the truth. So that means you can bank on it. You need to rely on it. You need to trust it. He says, anyone who believes in me. So it's a choice. You choose to believe in Jesus. I mean, he came and he paid the price and he offers, he offers forgiveness for things that you cannot get forgiveness from anywhere else. He offers new life. He offers eternal life, but you have to choose to believe. No one can make that choice. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we could just choose to believe for other people? And there's actually some uh, belief systems that believe that you can be baptized by proxy for other people and they'll be baptized dozens if not hundreds of times for even dead people that they think that they can save them that way and that you know it would be convenient but that's not how it works anyone who believes it's an individual choice so Jesus says I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me and this is where it gets pretty astounding will do the same works I have done and even even greater works. So he's talking to the disciples, but when he says anyone who believes, it means he's talking to any of us who are believers. So this applies to us. So we had better understand what in the world he's talking about or what in heaven he's talking about. And and so he says... um, even greater works because I am going to be with the father. And, and then he adds, if that wasn't enough, <laughs> we're going to do greater works. He says something just as astounding. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Now there's the qualifier. When I ask for things that bring glory to God, then that's what Jesus gets all about. And he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Just in case you, you, you didn't understand what I said and you're still a little overwhelmed by what I said, let me say it again. So when I read this, I hear this about greater works, and I read this part about ask anything, then why why do not the things I ask for come about sometimes? Well, maybe it's because it wasn't something that would bring glory to the Father. Well, we're going to get into that. As we talk about this greater work, 
I, I guess I have to ask myself two questions. Why would God use gateway? And to really make it personal, why would God even use me or you? Is he, is he implying, is he, no, I don't think he's implying, he's just flat out saying it. Gateway, you can do greater works than I did. You can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. And he's saying this to you as an individual, you, you as an individual, you can do greater things than I did. And you can ask for anything in my name. Well, if these statements are true, I would think I would want to understand that. I would think that you would want to know exactly what does this mean? Because if this is truth and it is, I might be missing out on something huge. Jesus um, promises a greater work <clears throat> to those who believe in him. But I, I, it, it, I don't think he's talking about power. And I don't think he's talking about knowledge because you, you cannot have more knowledge and more power than Jesus. I mean, right? He had the power to create the entire universe and he had the knowledge to create the entire universe. He has all knowledge. He knows everything. He's everywhere. I mean, he, had, he is omnipotent. I, I, that's not what he's talking about. But I think what he's talking about, and this is very important, this greater works... I think he means the extent of his works. You see, Jesus was limited. He, he limited himself to three years of ministry here on earth. You and I aren't limited to that. And he chose to limit himself geographically just to that area, that region where he lived. Now, Jesus could have. And he chose to limit himself. He chose to set aside some of the attributes of his Godhead, but he chose to limit himself. Now, he, when he came that first time, he could have come in such a way that everybody saw him at the same time. Uh, he could have done that. In fact, he's going to do that. Think about that. I mean, when he comes back, when he comes back again, there will be zero limitations. The entire planet will see his return. They will see him coming in the clouds. They will see it. And they will know exactly who it is. But for right now, Jesus, he chose to limit himself to these three years in a specific geographic range in the Middle East. But yet today, you and I, we're mandated to go to the ends of the earth, to go to all people groups. And we've got a whole bunch of people groups right here in our backyard. We're mandated to go... I mean, it's, you know, it's actually pretty easy to go to other countries now and, and it's easy to get there in a timely fashion and it's easy to talk to others about Jesus. So I, I think what he's talking about, he's talking about you're, you're going to go and you're going to be able to talk to more people than I talked to in these three years. 
And anything that you ask for that relates to these greater works, these things that bring glory to my Father, you have a guaranteed promise. I'm going to answer those prayers. You see, sometimes the biggest line to cross is not a ge geopolitical boundary. Sometimes it's a property line. Sometimes it's a cubicle space or an office space. Sometimes it's a, a, a locker between you and somebody else at school. I mean, what boundaries are out there? People that you have professional relationships with or friendship relationship or neighbor relationship. I, I mean, we, we have these self-imposed boundaries that we put on us and I mean, that greater work that Jesus is talking about might be in your own backyard. I mean, what if, just what if, if everybody in this church had that one person that they chose to reach out to, build a relationship with, and dare to share the truth of Jesus with them by living it and by telling it. In fact, <clears throat> are you willing to set aside political conversations for the sake of spiritual conversations? Uh, my son travels all over doing concerts and he called me one time not too long ago and he had just done a concert at a church 20,000 plus members and he just said dad he said what do you what do you think about these churches that are so political I said well I don't think much about it and I said and here's why I said when you make certain stands um, when you start endorsing, and I'm not, I'm not talking about moral issues and things that need to be addressed in our country. Absolutely, you hear me say those things. But when I start making it political, you know, I, I could easily tell half the people in our community, you know, get, we're, you're really not welcome here just by some of those stands. And he said, yeah, that's what I feel. It's, 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 like, it's like there's a pride and an arrogance and then an unwelcome sign just because of political positions. I said, yeah, that's not the gospel. And, and so sometimes the great work uh, so the, I guess the question then is, are you willing to set aside political conversations in order for the sake of spiritual conversations? This focus on greater works is spiritual, not the physical miracles that Jesus did. A lot of times when we read this and greater works than you'll do, you start thinking about, well, he raised people from the dead and he healed people. I, see, I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the spiritual things uh, that were going to happen and the spiritual things that were done. You, you know, there's, there's the opportunity that you could speak to more G people about Jesus than Jesus ever spoke to, to people about himself. And in fact, in fact, the book of Acts constitutes this beginning of the historical record of the impact of a spirit-empowered life uh, 
on the world. <clears throat> Jesus said, because I'm going to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to live in you and you're going to have access you're going to have access to the power of the universe to do these greater works that bring glory to my Father. So are we doing that? Now, Jesus went on to say, he said, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. Now, in my name is not a magical formula that you just tack on to any prayer and automatically it's going to happen. It doesn't work that way. <clears throat> in fact, John, I think, gives us an understanding about what is meant by this in 1 John chapter 5. And it says, we, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything, and here it comes, that pleases him. That pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So when I ask a prayer of the Father, Lord, <clears throat> open the door so that I can talk to that person in the next cubicle or in the backyard or in the locker next to mine. God loves to answer prayers like that. God absolutely loves to answer prayers like that. So <clears throat> to ask me for anything in my name means to ask according to his will. You know, I, I, I need to just say this and get it out there because you, you, you need to know this. Often we bring the Bible down to match up with our experiences. Have you ever said to somebody, well, it's been my experience <laughs> instead of, well, the Bible says? And so often we want to legitimize our experience and so we'll manipulate and twist and turn the Bible to legitimize our experience when we need to be doing the opposite. We need to take our experiences and examine them according to Scripture because the reality is we've had a lot of illegitimate experiences. And I need to discount some of my experiences because they don't match up to Scripture. <clears throat> See, just because you had an experience doesn't mean that it's truth. You can have false experiences. You can have false dreams. And so often we try to legitimize ourselves with Scripture by twisting and turning instead of taking our experiences up to Scripture to know whether it was legitimate or not. So here's a couple of things. A greater work begins when believers, when believers are on the move. That's when greater works begin. I mean, the first 14 verses in Acts chapter 1 uh, just tells the story of what happened once the disciples got on the move. Um, <clears throat> Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and um, it says, and when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come, come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Well, that's already happened. The Holy Spirit has already come. The moment you pray to receive Christ, if you're a believer, you receive the Holy Spirit right then. So you don't have to wait for this. See, it hadn't come yet when this first, when this Jesus was talking to them, he had not come yet, the Holy Spirit, but he's come now and you don't have to beg for him. He's here. You know, we, and then there was that time when they were standing there and Jesus ascended. He went up into heaven and the Bible says they were straining to watch and to watch him go up into heaven and, and he was already there and they were still standing and straining and looking. And finally two angels appeared before them and said, what's up with you guys? He's gone. Now go do what he said to do. These two angels rebuked him, kind of kicked him in the rear and said, Hey, it's time to get it in gear guys. Go and do what Jesus said to do. You know, I think sometimes the church, we spend all our time looking up to heaven, wondering when Jesus is coming back and maybe we need a couple of angels to show up and say, hey guys, he's going to come back. But in the meantime, he's given you something to do. Now go do it. You know, we, we celebrate the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus with great attention. We celebrate his birth at Christmas, we remember his death on Good Friday. We celebrate his resurrection on Easter, but we don't, we don't really celebrate much his ascension. And maybe we should, because that when, that's when everything got kicked in the gear. You may have watched the SpaceX launch during, it was a night launch recently, and there's something different about a, light, a night launch. I mean, the, that brilliant trail of light and all the engineering and the planning that goes into that one moment, it's incredible. It doesn't just happen. And, and in spite of all those engineerings and all, all those engineers and all the me mechanical people that literally put the ship together, <coughs> you know, the guys who fuel it, the, the people who prepare whatever the load is, at the end of the day, somebody's got to have their finger on a big red button and push it. And uh, unless they push it, the thing's not going to launch. We, there's a, a friend in the church here, and her brother, he works down there, and he actually, on every launch, has his, has his finger on another button. And it's a button that, um, if things go wrong... He's the one that has to push that button to destroy the rocket before it causes harm. I mean, how would you like to, I mean, I would shake. Oh, please don't push it too quick. <laughs> and uh, I, I would be nervous about that, but he, that's his job. You know, he pushes that button. But you know what happens? I, I think you and I are really good at pushing the self-destruct button more than pushing the launch button. When it comes to talking to others about Jesus, we have the opportunity and we push the button of fear. I'm just afraid. Or maybe we push that button of busyness. I, you know, I'll get to it, just not right now. 
Or we push that button of unaware. Oh, I had no idea. I, I thought they were a Christian. Or we push that button of lack of concern. I really just don't care. That's the worst button of all. To have that spirit of, I don't care if that person spends eternity separated from God's love. You and I need to start pushing that launch button. And the ascension of Jesus was that giant red button. And Jesus pushed it as he was going up. And I, I believe, I, I think Christians that are just inactive, they don't understand the significance of the ascension. And I think an inward focused church that it's all about us will never understand what it means to be a church that's on the move, a church that's reaching people. In Luke chapter 24, another version of what happened, uh, another view of it. It says, then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. But it didn't stop there because then the Holy Spirit came upon them when they did what Jesus told them to do. And then they went out and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. So a totally inappropriate response to King Jesus is to stand around and stare. Believers that honor God are believers that are on the move. So that's my second point. Believers that are on the move, well, they attend, they, they often just invite other people to church. You know, 80% of the people that come to church will say that they were here because they were invited by somebody specifically. You know, sometimes the hardest boundary to cross is the property line where you live. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. In other words, how can I motivate you and how can you motivate your neighbor? How can we motivate each other to do acts of love and good works? And then it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Every day that we live, we're one day closer to when Jesus is going to return. So there's a couple of principles that you find in this text. <clears throat> if we care about people, if we are really concerned, we'll encourage each other I mean, maybe in your life group or your small group, you, you say, hey, how about sharing who you're praying for? Who's that person you're praying for that needs to know Jesus? That's encouraging one another. 
Hey, why don't you tell me the first name of, of somebody you're, I, I mean, in the last service, we had a time of prayer for people that we wanted to see saved. And um, one of our middle school students came down to pray. And afterwards I said, hey, did you come down to pray for someone? He said, yeah. And I said, well, tell me who they are. So that's encouraging him. And you know, to be able to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray with that, for that person along with you. If we believe that Jesus is coming again, then it's even more critical, crucial, that we work through the body of Christ of sharing the good news of others. You know, being involved in church is kind of like exercise. If you only exercise twice a year, like Easter and Christmas, um, <clears throat> you actually can hurt yourself more than if you exercise regularly. I mean, you, if you just went all out exercising just one or twice a year, you, you're going to do some damage. And um, church attendance is like that. Um, same thing with prince, uh, spiritual principles, uh, praying or reading the Bible or um, being part of worship. If you just do it a couple of times, it, I, I don't know what it does for you. Every one of us need to have at least one person that we're praying for. At least one. You know, 80% of the people in our community are unchurched. Wow. And during this pandemic, I was in a meeting with a group of senior pastors just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <clears throat> most of the churches are running less than half of what they used to. Now, I'm thankful at Gateway, we're, we're running about 70% of what we used to run. And, uh, but here's the statistic that was hard for them to hear, that nationwide they're telling us now that somewhere between 28 and 32% of the people who stopped going to church during the pandemic, and many rightly so. In fact, we even tell people if you're sick or you're at risk, you shouldn't be here, just join us online. And we have lots of people that join us online. We, you know, we have people that join us from the state of Washington and from Florida and from up north. And there are people that are listening right now from all over. And I've got some friends from out of the country that are, that are a part of our service right now. But they're telling us that 28 to 32% will never come back to church. Wow. We need to be serious about making a difference, reaching that crowd, that one. That greater work that I think Jesus is talking about begins with that one person for you. You know, when Jesus is shared there's great joy in heaven. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus said, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, that's just a cool image. So I kind of let my imagination run with me a little bit. And so what I'm going to share is not, it's, it's based, it's foundations on scripture, but it's my imagination, okay? 
So don't walk out of here and say, you know, the Bible says this. Uh, I'm just telling you what, how I envision it, okay? Uh, now, the Bible does say, Jesus says that there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, my imagination goes like this. Every time one of us decides to cross that uncomfortable zone to the next cubicle or office or locker or next door, backyard. I just envision all the angels in heaven stopping and peeking over, looking down, watching. I, I imagine all the believers that are there stopping and looking over and peeking down and watching and interceding for you and me as we cross that uncomfortable line of sharing Jesus. And, and I can just, in my mind's eye, <clears throat> see in the angels getting all the party favors ready. It's kind of like, all right, we might get ready to have a new party. <laughs> And, and they get excited, you know, this is going to be great if, you know, if, if we're going to have a, we're going to have such a celebration if this one person makes a decision for Jesus. Hey, I just see that in my mind's eye that when that one person makes that decision, that there's just an uproar of praise, of glory and excitement and joy even among the angels. So who's your one? You have the opportunity to start a party in heaven. Who's your one that you, you care enough about that you're willing to shove away that self-destruct button and push the launch button. You're willing to just set aside the fears and all the excuses and you're willing to push that one. I, I want us to take some time to pray. You, you know, I, we're kind of going to spend some Time the next couple of weeks talking through the different aspects of this. And then on October the 31st, um, one of the spiritual gifts, sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, evangelism is not a spiritual gift. The evangelist is the spiritual gift. And, and it doesn't mean that I don't have to share the gospel because I don't have the gift of the evangelist. Oh, we all share the gospel for followers of Jesus. But God has raised up certain individuals that like the Billy Grahams that know how to draw in people. And, and so I've invited my good friend, Clayton King, who's been with us before. He has the gift of the evangelist and he's going to be with us on that October the 31st, but it's our job to bring our one so that they can hear a compelling word that matches up with what we've been sharing so who's your one? So today, 
I'll be here at the front. And I want to invite you to just come. You don't need me to pray with you. You just come and you pray for that one or multiple ones. But if you are, if you're that one, I do want you to come and let me pray with you. If you're that one that you've not made a decision about Jesus yet, I, I, I want us to come and you come and let's pray so that we can start a party in heaven of great rejoicing and start one here of great rejoicing. So if you, if you have not personally made that decision to cross over from death to life, just come and let me talk with you and let's pray together. And the others of you, come and pray for your one. Because that's a prayer that Jesus says, I will answer this prayer. Greater things you will do if it brings, if it brings glory to my Father. You want to bring glory to God? Here's your means, your ways of doing it. Let's pray.